was overworked. I was trying to heal every woman on the planet with breast cancer, right? A woman with a, an, on a mission mm-hmm. and wasn't sleeping well. My thyroid was off. My hormones were off and I just felt terrible. And I knew physically something was happening in my body. And sure enough, lump showed up again, similar, you know, area. And here I was facing it again. And Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Dr. Veronique Desolnier, better known as Dr. V, is the founder of Breast Cancer Conqueror and the Seven Essentials System and co-founder of My Breast Friend. Her signature process has empowered thousands of women in over 56 countries around the world. Her mission is to change lives one breast at a time. Dr. V has personally conquered breast cancer twice, which gives her an empathetic perspective to understand other women facing a healing journey. Her signature book, Heal Breast Cancer Naturally is a number one Amazon bestseller in 10 categories and in five countries. Dr. V has been featured in the world-renowned Truth About Cancer docuseries and TTAC live stages, as well as many other stages, summits, and podcasts, including JJ Virgin, Wendy Myers, Wellness Mama, NBC News affiliate show Tampa, etc. She has been a guest contributor to Natural News, Green Med Info, Natural Health 365, Mind Body Green, Wellness.com, and many other sites. Hello, Dr. V, Dr. Veronique Desolinier, is that correct? Desolinier, yes. Desolinier, okay. <laughs> How are you? It's so good to have you here on Diversity Dish. Thank you so much for having me, Sigrol. It's, it's just uh, an honor to be here. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about breast cancer in so many different ways. But before we get into that conversation, I would like for you to tell me what you're passionate about right now. What is your passion? I'm passionate about changing lives one breast at a time. And educating women about prevention of breast cancer, you know, what to look for, what you can do, as well as if you're diagnosed, what you can do, because there is always, always hope. There's always, always hope. I love that, which is so true. We, you and I both have had breast cancer. We've both gone through that journey and you do not use the term survivor. Tell us what is the word that you like to use and why you like to use it. I came up with the term conqueror, breast cancer conqueror. And the reason I chose that for me, I felt like survivor was very passive that, you know, I, I barely survived my (laughs) treatments or, you know, I barely survived the journey. Whereas a conqueror to me is more proactive and you're, you know, you're taking charge and you're going to get this thing done. Right, right, right. And I, and I love that because it's true. It's, we really are conquerors. We do, we go, okay, what do I need to do? We do what we need to do. And then we, we do it because we want to live. And, and, you know, my thing beyond that is, well, if you fight, if you fight and conquer to live, then that's what you better do. You better live. Right. Right. So you are a bioenergetic chiropractor. Tell us what that is. So most people understand a chiropractor, you know, chiropractors work with the spine and they realign the spine to remove nerve interference so the body has a better ability to heal. I added the term bioenergetic because we are 1 billion physical matter and the rest is all energy. So really I worked with the, when I had, was in active practice, I worked with the energy system of the body. So I used 
um, nutrition. I used thermography. I also used an instrument that measured the electrical resistance at the acupuncture points on the hands and the feet. So I was measuring the electricity on those meridians, mm -hmm. which corresponded to different organs, which gave me an ability to take a peek into the body to see which systems were energetically low. And just like a car battery, if your battery is running low, then that's going to cause some problems with the rest of the, the car, the body, same thing. If our energetic system is weak, um, then what can we do to bring that back to balance? And so that's why I use the term bioenergetic. Wow, I love that. So you're just, you're just taking this ball of energy and figuring out what the, uh, where the electric circuits are not firing properly. Exactly, basically. exactly. Yeah, and bringing I, them to balance, introducing, you know, supplements, homeopathic remedies, herbs, nutrition, meditation, all those things to help bring those back to balance. Right. So if you wouldn't mind, can you take us on your breast cancer journey and the decisions that you made in that journey and why you made those particular decisions? Well, um, I guess let's start where, you know, where I really started having a lot of interest in cancer. Um, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh, I was in my practice only three years, so mm -hmm. you know, still very, very young, you know, baby, so to speak. Right. But when he was going through that whole situation, there was some things that I really saw that disturbed me. I mean, the doctors gave him no hope. They basically sent him home to die, gave him literally a death certificate, you know, you'll be dead in six weeks. And, wow. um, you know, and, and it, my father bought into that and I saw the fear and I just, you know, there was just, it was such a bad experience that I said there had to be a better way. 1983, no internet, right? So right. I went to the library, imagine the world without internet, library, <laughs> research books, calling different cancer clinics, you know, which were few and far between back then. And, you know, realized, wow, there's something that possibly could have been done for my dad, you know, but it was too late. So I took all that information, started applying these principles in my practice and started seeing people reverse things like MS, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune disease, cancer. I mean, you name it. And it just really gave me so much confidence in evidence-based natural medicine. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, you know, 23 years later, I'm in the shower and I was doing a breast self-exam, which is not the right way to do it, by the way, which we can talk about later. Yes, and, we will. You know, it's here the day you've been waiting for. The registration for the Discovery Den cohort is now open. You can find the link in the show notes or you can go to citrolamaruska.com back, uh, backslash work dash with dash Sadie and that's S-E-D-I-E. What is the Discovery Den cohort? It's a place where you get to connect with like-minded people and you get to dig further into the information that we share. The Discovery Den cohort is where we're going to help you take those strengths that are yours. We're going to help you identify your strengths, take those strengths, couple them with your passion and find exactly where you want to make or where you can make a laser focused difference. So come on by sedrolamaruska.com backslash work dash with dash Sadie or look in the show notes. The link is there. I found a lump uh, in my left breast and you know I knew right away when I felt it it, it, you know, my gut told me this, it just wasn't right. And so I, I knew that I, I would not do traditional medicine um, because of side effects and everything that I had seen with some of my patients. And I was going to go the course with natural medicine. Mm -hmm. And uh, two years later, everything was, was great. I was you know, happy and healthy. I ended up, you know, selling my practice after 30 years. And I started sharing my personal healing journey with breast cancer. And one thing led to another. Um, now, you know, we've coached, my team and I have coached women in 57 countries. Um, you know, second edition of my books, number one bestseller on Amazon. Mm -hmm. and, Breast um, cancer. I'll definitely put the link below the, um, in the show notes. 
Thank you. But then um, something very interesting happened along that journey. Uh, so nine years after you know the second, the first healing journey, I was overworked. I was trying to heal every woman on the planet with breast cancer, right? A woman with a an, on a mission, mm -hmm. and wasn't sleeping well. My thyroid was off. My hormones were off, and I just felt terrible. And I knew physically something was happening in my body. And sure enough. Lump showed up again, similar, you know, area. And here I was facing it again. And, you know, this time there was just so much shame and guilt. And, you know, am I a fraud? Here I am helping women with breast cancer. And yeah. I'm doing it again. Um, but I just, you know, I stayed the course. I knew what I had to do. I cut back on my work. I, you know, hired some coaches, trained some coaches to do the, the coaching and you know really took some time to get centered and and i know you know when we did our our interview with yeah. you you talked about really calming your body down getting centered and really asking yourself you know what do you want your life to look like right and did a lot of work and then three years later you know all was well so that was 2015 through 2018 and so i'm going on almost my third year of being clear and free happier and healthier than i've ever been so Yay. That's awesome. I love to hear it. I completely understand that feeling of feeling guilty a little bit about, you know, oh, here it is that I'm sharing this with people and I'm not doing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overdoing on my end and everybody's benefiting from what I'm doing, but I'm overdoing on my end. I really need to, uh, drink my own Kool-Aid, so to speak. Exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah. what did you do? What are some of the things that you did the first time and the second time to self heal, to, to be in this place where you're happier and healthier than you've ever been? Well, you know, during my first healing journey, there were moments like any other woman, right, where I was frustrated and confused and overwhelmed and, you know, not quite sure, you know, jumping from one thing to the other. So I, I created a system and, and I said, I've got to make sure that I cover all the, you know, check off all the boxes and because I knew what it would take to heal the body. And that's how I created the seven step program, the seven essential system, mm -hmm. because I knew nutrition was important, detoxification, you know, hormones, emotions, you know, I just went down the list. So I started following that and it just, you know, kind of became part of my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the second time round, you know, nine years later, I had a lot more information. I had accessibility to doing, you know, intense IVs, like high dose vitamin C IVs and um, you know, all kinds of different things that I didn't really have access to nine years before. So mm -hmm. it was, um, you know, very intense. And I really had to look at my lifestyle, change my nutritional habits, and really, you know, spend time on healing my body. Right, right. And I think that that's what I find to be the most difficult. I mean, when you're working with people, what do they tell you is the most difficult part? Because for me, I feel like it's this whole other shift and change <laughs> in lifestyle, basically, right? Mm -hmm. But what do you hear as the mo being the most difficult? Two things. Um, essential number four is healing the emotional wounds. Yeah. Um, and that's very difficult for women because we're so used to taking care of everybody else mm -hmm. right? and multitasking and we're mothers, we're wives, we're, you know, working, we're doing all these things and to carve out time for ourselves to be still, to be quiet, to nurture that little girl inside of us that needs, you know, some love and nurturing. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's challenging. You know, that usually goes on the back burner. And the other thing is the dental approach. You know, nobody likes to go to the dentist. And so having to look at biological dentistry and to see if you have amalgam fillings, because those are, you know, in mercury, they're high in mercury and mercury is a metalloestrogen. It'll mimic and stimulate estrogen production in the body. Right. Root canals, gum disease, all those things increase your risk of breast cancer. Wow. That's really interesting. I never thought, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know that the mouth is connected to a lot of, 
of different diseases actually within the mm-hmm. body, but you never really think about it in that way. Um, if there's a doctor that people are going to avoid, it's going to be the dentist, <laughs> right? And avoiding the dentist is probably not the best idea. That's probably the one that you really should be going to. I mean, it, it's important to go to all on a regular basis and not let anyone go by the wayside. So I, I, I think I learned that a little bit also a little bit before my cancer journey, that it was really important to keep the teeth in clean, you know, yeah. healthy, clean yeah. and, and, and healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So heal emotional wounds. Let's go back to that for a little bit. When you say heal emotional wounds, are you talking about therapy? Well, um, yes and no. <laughs> so there are there are um, a lot of different tools that are accessible to us now. So obviously, um, you know, psychologists, therapists, counselors. You know, where you have you do cognitive healing. You talk about the issues, um, but then there's also things that we call energy psychology because we know that our emotions are uh, energy, right? And right. that energy can literally be trapped in our nerve system and in our cells. Uh, PTSD is an example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Post-traumatic stress syndrome where, you know, people can't get over that trauma that happened to them. So how do we fix that? Um, well, there's something called EFT, emotional freedom technique, where you literally tap Mm-hmm. on different acupuncture points on the face and on the hands as you talk about those emotions and then you can imprint the positive emotions of that and and you know if you have some serious emotional issues then you definitely want to work with an EFT specialist who's certified mm-hmm. um, there's something called EMDR which is eye movement desensitization techniques same thing it, it has to do with balancing the nerve system and, you know, just looking at getting in touch with that little girl inside of us, you know, mm-hmm. 95% of our thoughts are subconscious and anything that we learn from the age of conception to five years old has been imprinted into our subconscious mind. What we heard our parents say, do all of that, it's imprinted. And so learning to be in touch with that little girl and healing those things that perhaps set some patterns for you as an adult, because so many of us live in the adult body, but it's that little wounded child that's running our life, right? Right, right. Make the best decisions. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Yeah. And we, and we hear a lot of talk about the, the inner child, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how many of us actually take that talk to real understanding that there really actually is an inner child that needs care and love and healing in order for us to actually, because, you know, sometimes we talk about people being, oh, they're just a big child. They're, they've never grown up. And that is a real thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. They, they're walking around in 40 and 50 year old bodies but they're a child that has never been grown up because they've never taken the time to nurture and care for that child that has been hurt or that is confused or that is, you know, frustrated or whatever it is that, that happened, you know, to that child. So when, one of the things that I like to do um, at our retreats or on our group coaching calls is um, it's an exercise called a letter to that little girl. And it's you as the adult, you know, picturing, envisioning, you know, that little girl sitting on your lap. And what would you tell that little girl, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her? And, you know, writing that letter and boy, when we do that exercise, there's lots of tears and release, but it's, it's such a good reminder, to, you know, to be in touch with that little girl or keeping a picture of yourself as a little girl, you know, by your computer or somewhere in your home. So you remember that's the little girl that needs the nurturing and the love. Right. Wow. So 
let me ask you a question. So when we're talking about breast cancer, um, we know that black women and white women get breast cancer at just about the same rate, right? There's no, there's no huge differentiation when we're talking about that. However, black women are 40% more likely to die mm -hmm. of breast cancer than white women. In your opinion, why is that? <laughs> I mean, in your opinion, I mean, that's I don't, big, I, yeah, that's a big, big, big question. Yes. You know, I would, I would say it has to do with availability of treatment options and education. Um, you know, and, and I see this in the white community as well, where so many women, they're in denial. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't think that, you know, this lump that they're feeling is really going to be cancer or they're so afraid to go to the doctor mm -hmm. that they keep putting it off, putting it off. And then, then you get to a point where it's even more challenging because the cancer is, you know, very aggressive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, I think those two main things um, have, a, have a big impact. Right. And, and also when we're talking about um, the types of cancer, so we also know that there's um, the triple negative, which doesn't respond to hormone treatments. And then there's the, the, there's a type that does respond to hormone treatments. So mine was positive. My was um, estrogen and progesterone positive. So therefore it fed off of the estrogen and the progesterone within my body. Mm -hmm. So I needed to reduce those hormones in order to kind of ensure that it wouldn't return and to kind of, you know, get things going. Um, but Black women tend to have the triple negative more so. And that is kind of a conundrum um, to people. And I wonder if you have an idea or thought about that. Well, when it comes to triple negative breast cancer, um, you know, traditional medicine says that it tends to be more aggressive because they don't have a treatment option per se that they have figured out. Yeah. So I will say in my experience and what I've seen, cancer is cancer. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to get to the root cause of what allowed the cancer to grow. You know, the cancer is just a symptom. It's not the cause. Mm -hmm. And whether you're, you know, the cancer is driven by aggressive estrogens, environmental estrogens, and those sorts of things, because our hormones won't cause cancer. We need our hormones for our brain health, our cardiovascular health, our bone health. Right. So it's, it's your, your body's ability to break down and, you know, metabolize or methylate those hormones. Perhaps you don't have that, which is why you have more aggressive estrogens, or perhaps you're exposed to chemical estrogens, mm -hmm. plastics, heavy metals, aluminum under your armpit you know, BPAs, you know, all those things that, that can increase your, um, you know, your estrogen levels in the body. Mm -hmm. so, so if we get back to that and look at, you know, triple negative breast cancer, it just means that your body is not, is dealing well with the hormone issue, but there's other factors that need to be addressed. So perhaps mm -hmm. the stress factor, perhaps it's the toxicity, um, something as simple as constipation when women are constipated they have a higher risk of developing breast cancer because they're recirculating those toxins they're not getting rid of you know um, toxicity in their body so there's a, a lot of factors that go into play and we've had a lot of women we've had a lot of success with women with triple negative breast cancer um, mm -hmm. who are doing really well yeah and when you say that you've had a lo lot of success with women you're talking about your 70 essential systems system, right, <laughs> correct? Yeah. Yes, yes, our yeah. coaching program and, and mm -hmm. basically, you know, walking women through those, you know, seven essentials and making sure that they're checking off all the boxes and doing what it takes. Because again, you know, cancer just didn't happen to you. Right. Um, you know, it's some, there was a cause behind it. And most women know, you know, what's behind that cause. A lot of times it's stress, you know, mm -hmm. stress will turn on those cancer causing genes and turn off your, you know, your health promoting genes. And so, 
you know, lifestyle is, is a big, big factor. Yeah. One of the things that I learned through my cancer journey was that if my body tells me that I need to rest, that's what I just need to do. Mm-hmm. If, you know, listening to myself and listening to my body is more important than anything else. And yeah. so whatever that, whatever my body tells me I need to do, that's what I need to do. And that meant slowing down quite a bit. And it also meant not being so, um, because I had a previous business and I always felt like, oh my gosh, I have to do, I have, I have, I have, I have, I have. And, you know, and in doing that, I was always feeling like I don't have time to do. I don't have time. Like I have to, I have to, I don't, I don't, I have to, I have to, I don't, I don't. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I just put aside. And now if I need to do something and I find that I can't get to it, in my mind, I'm automatically like, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. It's yeah. going to be okay. <laughs> and I just allow it to go away so that it's not something that's constantly, you know, eating at me. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. It's, um, it's freeing. Yes. But I find that I also get a lot more done now than I did before when I was constantly pushing, 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 pushing. Now, I think that I focus more on what's most important. And so I get those done. And so I get more done in less time. And I'm able to just kind of, you know, take the rest that I need and not be stressed about it. Right. Good for you. Yeah. That's, that's a big learning curve for a lot of us. (laughs) Yeah. We, (laughs) yeah, I think so. So I know when, you know, my breast cancer because I'd had a lump at the age of 16 and I'd had it removed, it was nothing, it was not cancerous. It was benign, but because of that experience, I was very aware of my breasts all my life. And the only reason I found that lump was because I was in high school and I needed to do a research paper and I did it on breast cancer, which at the time you say 1983, at the time, 1983, 84, uh, wasn't talked about as much. And so I decided to do the research paper on this because it wasn't talked about as much. And then I found my, my lump. And so I told my parents, we went and we got it removed and it wasn't cancerous, but I was always aware. So you know, fast forward to, you know, uh, many, many years later, And I would go to my gynecologist and we'd do the breast exam and we'd find a lump. I'd go get the mammogram, get an ultrasound, you know, oh, it's only a cyst, you know, and it was always only a cyst. So I never worried that I had breast cancer. I only, I was always like, I'm just going to go. And so I ended up going almost every six months, you know, since I was 40 you know, to get either a mammogram or an ultrasound because there was always, you know, something different. When I went, when we found, when we finally did find my cancer, it wasn't an ultrasound and it wasn't a mammogram that found it. It was because my nurse practitioner said, this doesn't feel right. It wasn't a lump. It was, it was a mass. And so I wonder, and in your opinion, how many people actually have this happen? Because you're doing all the things you're told you're supposed to do. You go regularly, you follow the instructions. And then, you know, out of left field comes this thing. It's like, yeah, sorry. And, you know, you always get the letter. Well, you have dense breasts. And so 99, you know, whatever percentage we, it's possible that there's something there. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. <laughs> So dense breasts is the biggest failure of mammography. Um, They'll miss up to 50% of of tumors. And we hear, you know, personal stories of women, you know, everything was fine, was clear on my test. But then, you know, three months later, I find this huge mass and it just didn't show up in three months. It takes, you know, six to eight years for a mass to develop. So a lot of studies that show that, um, for example, a 25-year 
Canadian study done on 90,000 women found that mammography did not reduce breast cancer mortality rate at all because mm. there was absolutely no difference between them finding it themselves versus you know, the, the mammogram. Right. Um, there's also another study that showed that 43% of the time a mammogram found it, 56% of the time fingers fingers found it, found it. <laughs> so fingers are tend, tend to be much more sensitive and much more accurate if you know what you're looking for and if you do it on a regular basis because right. even if you get your screening every year there's still 364 days of the year where your breast tissue can change so yeah. whether you do a mammogram or a thermogram always back it up with ultrasound and a regular breast exam right and a regular breast exam every, well, all the time, but, <laughs> but <Yes>. every month, <laughs> every month, yeah. at least. Definitely. If, if you're, if you're still cycling, the best time to do it is at the end of your cycle, because that's when your hormones are lowest and there'll be less bumpiness in your breast. Mm -hmm. And if you're postmenopausal, just do it, you know, the first Monday of every month or the first whatever, but on a regular basis, but on a regular basis. And so you were sharing with me, my breast friend, which is, a, and right. It's a, it's kind of a breast model. Ex, ex, yeah. Explain to us what my breast friend is. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who are just listening and not watching, so yeah. there's a company called a nonprofit organization called the Mamacare. Mamacare was uh, created with the help of the National Cancer Foundation, the National Science Foundation, rather the National Cancer Institute to create a model to be able to help doctors and nurses learn how to do a proper breast exam and to really train their fingers to be sensitive. So in this model, there's four lumps mm -hmm. that are replicas of real lumps taken out of women's breasts. And the key is threefold. So number one, you have to learn what to feel for because our breasts are lumpy, right? Yeah. So in this training, um, you get the model and you also get access to a video you learn the difference between regular nodular tissue, mm -hmm. your tissue, and what feels different. So when you feel this model, you say, oh, that's what a lump feels like. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So you start making the connection. That's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it teaches you where to look because most women will just do the breast, right? Mm -hmm. But you've got to come up into the collarbone, mm. armpit, beside the breast, underneath the breast, Stern, you know, in the, on the chest bone, the right. sternum. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, it's, it's how, so it's not with your fingertips, but it's with the pads of the fingers and you do little round circles and you have to apply a lot of pressure. You have to go all the way down, all the way the down wall, because mm -hmm. that's where tumors can hide way down deep in there. So the, the model comes with a little booklet. It comes with this chart, which I really like because this shows you, mm-hmm average size lump that a woman finds when she's not trained in a breast exam is the size of a ping pong ball. Mm -hmm. By the time she's properly trained, she can find something the size of a pea. So a nice. huge difference in yeah. survival. Right. Right. Because when you can find it at that tiny, at, at its beginning, then you have a much better chance of, of recovery and, um, and also probably less surgery less, right, right? less aggressive treatments. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. That, I, I, you know, I think that that's, that's great. I'm gonna, do we have a link for that or is that on your website? It's, it's, I want to yeah, put my, that in mybreastfriend.com. It's just a my breast website. My breast okay. I will yeah. put the, um, I will put the link in the show okay, notes sure. as well, because I think it's important for people to, to get it and to know what they're looking for right? For me, for me, I thought to myself, I knew what my breasts felt like, but I thought, oh, I'm getting old. So, and I read up about it and I was like, oh, well, I'm getting old. So I'm probably getting just more dense or thicker tissue in my breast because of my age. And I was wrong. <laughs> it was a cancer. Um, and so when my nurse practitioner felt and she's like no 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 this doesn't feel right we're gonna you know thankfully she she did that um but yes 
knowing that it's probably, it was probably growing there for a few years mm-hmm. is, you know, is also something, right? Because it's kind of like, you know, I'd been going, getting ultrasounds, getting mammograms and, but nothing showed this, right? Literally the day that I got my, my, my biopsy, the day that my surgeon did the biopsy, we both sat in her office. I'd just gotten screens, you know, images from a mammogram and ultrasound two days prior. We're both sitting in her office. We're looking at the screen and she says, I don't see anything. I said, "Unbelievable." neither do I, <laughs> right? Because I'd looked at these things. Right? I said, I don't see anything either. And she, but she said, but I look at your breasts and they look different. So we're going to do a biopsy to see what's going on. And that's how we found the, the cancer. So it's so important. And I don't think that we can stress enough the importance of doing the self-exams and believing when you feel something that you're, there's nothing, you're not making it up, right? I think as women, sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna seem hysterical or I don't wanna, right? Because we've been told that that's how we are. And it's not true. Totally. And if you find something and you go to your doctor and they say, oh, it's nothing, they poo-poo it, but you feel in your gut that something's not right, pursue it. You know, just tell them you want some more screening or go to another doctor. I mean, the good news is eight out of 10 times, those lumps are not cancerous, but it's those right. two out of 10 those that you two. are concerned with. Yeah. And those two, you want to make sure that you find them and so that you can find them early and know exactly what what you're dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. So you are a, I, I think we talked about, it, but you're a big proponent of, you know, nutrition, health, and um, healing naturally. When we're talking about breast cancer in particular, and we're talking about trying to adjust our, let's say, adjust our diets to, be more healthy in that arena. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you, like some of the bigger things that you can suggest that people do? So the number one thing is to avoid sugar because we know that sugar feeds cancer, right? We know mm-hmm. that cancer does not use oxygen like our cells do. Cancer feeds on sugar. And so you want to eliminate all kinds of refined sugars. So that's white sugar, brown sugar, you know, honey, maple syrup, all of that. You want to really reduce your sugar and reduce your carbohydrates. So that's pastas and breads um, because that, you know, carbohydrate turns ultimately into sugar. So you want to really reduce your, your sugars, you know, check with your doctor and make sure that your blood sugar, your fasting blood sugar is nice and low. Um, there's also, you know, fasting insulin. You want to keep those within a certain parameter and start adding lots of organic food. Now there's a huge difference between regular commercial food. Most of it is laden with pesticides and herbicides that are cancer causing. So if you can eat organic as much as possible and lots of vegetables, lots of greens, you know, the, the, you know, the more vegetables, the better. And same with your meats. If you're going to eat meat, make sure that there's no antibiotics, no hormones, and preferably pasture raised and you know small amounts. You don't need a 10 ounce steak to get your protein. You know you can get it in just a few ounces. Uh, wild caught fish, not farmed fish. That's full of toxins. And just you know little baby steps, and that that's a big step right there. Right, right. So so I'm listening to you talk, and I go to myself. You know I when I tried to just do a lot more vegetables and and that sort of thing, I feel like I'm starving myself, you know? So how do we get around that? Because you just said, reduce the starches, do more vegetables. How do I get around the feeling that I'm just, I'm starving myself. Like I, it goes through my system so quickly that I don't feel like I'm full or I don't feel like I'm feeding. (laughs) So it's a matter of retraining your body because your body is used to using sugar as fuel. So when you don't have the sugar, then it's craving more fuel. 
And so it's, it's a matter of starting with little things. So uh, intermittent fasting, for example. So instead of getting, you know, being used to eating breakfast first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. why not wait till 11 or noon before you have your first meal, drink plenty of water or, you know, coffee or tea or whatever, mm -hmm. and slow down your eating habits. And, you know, think in terms of, because, you know, food is very emotional for people, right? Mm -hmm. We have that emotional addiction to it because of the satisfaction it gives us. But I tell our, our clients, you have a choice. You get to feed your body or feed the cancer. It's that simple. And there's lots of things that you can do to get that fullness. So if you're going to do a smoothie, for example, you know, just throw in those greens, throw in some some whey powder, some protein powder to get that feeling of fullness, flaxseed, chia seed, those things, nuts, all those things would add bulk and take mm -hmm. away some of that hunger. Right. Okay. And when you say detox, what's a good way to detox? Like to start a detox regime or treatment, if that means, yeah. is, if, even if that's right, but <laughs> Yeah, so detox, that's kind of a big, big term. So essential number two is to reduce your toxic exposure. So mm -hmm. start by being aware of what's in your environment. So instead of spraying chemical sprays in the air, mm -hmm. sweeten the air, so to speak, use essential oils. Instead of spraying, you know, pesticides in your home, you can use, you know, boric acid or essential oils. Um, watch what you put on your skin because everything you put on your skin is being absorbed directly into your body. And a lot of those things are cancer causing. Um, and so once you start reducing your toxic exposure, then think of, okay, detox, what can I do? Water with lemon juice, something as simple as that. Skin brushing is very simple. Sweating, you know, get in a sauna. Um, infrared uh, uh, heat lamps, you know, can really help you. Uh, coffee enemas. I don't know if your community knows much about coffee enemas, but our community, I mean, this is something that we, you know, that we talk about and do all the time if you're on a healing journey, because the, mm -hmm. the coffee enema is not to clean out your bowels, but it's to stimulate your liver. Okay. And um, you use a special kind of coffee and you use, do it in an enema form and it really stimulates the detoxification pathways in the liver and helps you to get rid of toxins that way. So lots of things to do to detox. Right. Now, what if people don't have access to good organic foods? Because there are communities where you know, there aren't stores that have or that carry organic foods. And if they do, they're a lot more expensive than, you know, the regular commercial foods that you're talking about. And so how do we help those communities be more healthy? That's a great question. Um, there's a, an organization called the Environmental Working Group. So ewg.org. And they have coined the term, the dirty dozen and the clean 15. So the dirty dozen are the fruits and vegetables that we know are laden with pesticides and herbicides. Those are mm -hmm. the most toxic. The clean 15 are the ones that, hey, if you can't buy them organic, they're not so bad. So things like, you know, sweet potatoes, avocados, um, you know, root vegetables that grow in the ground, you know, those tend to be cabbage, you know, those sorts of things. But um, unfortunately, blueberries, strawberries, you know, all the berries are very, very toxic. Uh, broccoli, cauliflower, a lot of the cruciferous vegetables, but apples. And so if you can buy organic apple, peel, peel the peeling, you know, on the apple. Um, you can also soak your, your vegetables in your fruit in um, hydrogen peroxide, diluted hydrogen peroxide water or vinegar water to you know, help get rid of some of that wax and pesticides. And, and you know, there's parasites you know, that uh, are on our food. You know, people handle our food or from the dirt, you know, all that. So you know, cleaning your vegetables and fruit is important. Okay, that's good to know. And mm -hmm. what was that again, the environmental... Working group. Working group. 
okay. ewg.org and they have it's a great site. It's a nonprofit organization and they look at everything from foods to cosmetics, sunscreens, you know, anything that's put on your skin, they'll yes. list by the most toxic to the least toxic. So you, you know, you know that if you're gonna buy deodorant, let's say, why not use something that's less toxic? Right. Yeah. Well, I will definitely link that in the show notes as well, because that's a good resource for people to have access to. So the other, the other question that I have, or if you have any ideas about this is Mm -hmm. that, well, when we're talking about the environment and, you know, where certain things are put, where is the dump put, where are the electric lines put, where are certain things put, they tend to be put in communities where marginalized people and black people live, which can, I suppose, in turn, be one of the factors why black women or marginalized people get different types of cancers that are more aggressive or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How, what, (laughs) like, this is where you live. This is your, your community. What do you do for that? Like, how, how is that to be addressed, right? So that, that comes back to reducing your toxic exposure. You know, we can't live in a bubble and we're all exposed to the toxicity in the air, the rain, the soil, you know, pesticides, herbicides is doing simple things like fasting, you know, fasting on water, fasting with water and lemon juice, just that allows your body to, you know, detoxify because think of your body like a bucket, right? Mm -hmm. It drip, 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 drip with these toxins every single day, Mm -hmm. but it, stop that drip for a day or, you know, a couple of times a week by, you know, really not putting anything in your body and allowing it to detox because it gets, it gets full, right? The liver mm-hmm. pathways, the lymphatic system, the, the GI system, it, you know, it gets overburdened. So giving your body a break in doing that, um, you know, adding that lemon water, doing the coffee enemas, you know, these are things that simple little things that you can do to really help to reduce that exposure and get rid of it so it doesn't accumulate. Wow, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot with you today. Good, good. Um, is there anything that you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you about? You know, the I think the one thing I would like to say is if you are diagnosed or you know somebody was recently diagnosed the best thing that you can do for yourself is not to panic Mm -hmm. and to give yourself time because it's not like you're going to die of a heart attack tomorrow right with breast cancer you've got time and so you want to really breathe and stay calm and look at your options because I know you know, you, there's pressure, you know, you got to start treatment right away. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, give yourself a couple of weeks to let that diagnosis sit in, you know, look at your options, perhaps get another opinion, do some reading. You know, there's so many things on the internet. Um, right now there's a docuseries called the truth about cancer. And it looks at all the, you know, the, um, evidence-based natural medicine options that you have. And even if you choose to do conventional traditional medicine, there's still so many things that you can do to support your body to help you get through that mm-hmm. much more easily and to reduce those side effects. Yeah, I think that's that's a you know that's a great point to bring up because I know for me, after diagnosis, the only thing you're thinking about, okay, is get it out, get it out, you know, let's right. you know. And so that's a really good it's easier said than done, but it's really good advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I know that it's easier said than done, but it is definitely good advice to hold off to wait. Because the thing is too, that if you're not doing a ton of research, if you're not going and digging in, you're not getting all the options, The right? Like mm-hmm. for me, I was going to do a double mastectomy with reconstruction because I felt like, oh, well, that must be the best option. And until my doctor 
said, you know what, I'm going to write a prescription for you to get the prosthetics until you can get the, the surgery done. And when I went, I said, you mean to tell me that I can have breasts on demand? Like I don't have to go through <laughs> surgery. And she was like, yeah, we can fix anything for you that you, that you want to use the prosthetics with. And I was, so it, so at that point in time, I realized, wow, there's another option. I don't have to have reconstruction. I don't have to go through more surgeries in order to be okay. So, you know, but everything is a process, right? Because I had to kind of process that through my mind and how that felt and what I thought about that and if it felt right. And so, you know, one thing that I love to tell people and I want to always remind people is that it's your journey, right? Every journey is a personal journey. And so there's no right or wrong. There's only what's right for you, but make sure that you are doing it from a, not from a place of fear, but from a place of, okay, what do I need to do now in order to, 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 to get through this and be a conqueror, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Veronique, the last question that I have for you that I usually have for all my guests is, what is your favorite dish? Oh, my favorite dish. Oh, I would have to say a really big salad with all kinds of yummy stuff on it. Um, a piece of wild caught salmon and some raw pecans. Nice. <laughs> it sounds like a loaded salad, which is what I like to say. Like, yeah. I love a loaded salad. You yeah, know, with loaded all salad. the stuff in it. So, yeah. So it's yeah. got some substance, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. It has been such a pleasure. And honestly, I've learned a lot. And I hope that our listeners will also have learned a lot from you today. Thank you for sharing my message of hope. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at Patreon. The link is in the show notes. See you soon.